You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Y'all, this morning we moved uh, driving church to 8 o'clock this morning to help the heat. It didn't help me. Um, It looked like I had taken a shower when I walked into this building this morning. Um, that air was so thick. I, I mean, it was just humid as all get out. And silly me got into the shower, which, praise God, that Troll Street put showers into this building. I'm so thankful for that idea. Um, I, I got in the shower way too early in my pores. My, I just opened up. Y'all, I had to find a fan. Like, I was just standing over the fan like, please, cool off so I can, I mean, goodness gracious. I have gained so much respect for people who do preach without air conditioning. I'm just being honest, what a modern marvel air conditioning is. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 3. It's where we're going to be continuing our series, One Nation Under God. Y'all, I'm so thankful for a church that allows the opportunity for me to proclaim the word on a regular basis. Um, And really, since Thomas came on a more regular basis, I'm very thankful to serve under a pastor who trusts me in that light. And I'm also thankful for a church who trusts me. In that light, it used to be that when the youth pastor preached, people didn't show up. And uh, this morning, somebody jokingly cranked their car up before they saw that when they saw I was preaching. And uh, but that's not the case here. Um, I'm so thankful for you all. I love this place. I love this church. So thank you for this wonderful opportunity to proclaim the word. I'm gonna start in Ephesians chapter three, verse one. This is what Paul writes: For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations that it has been, as it has been now revealed to his apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, if you underline your Bible, underline that phrase, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Will you pray with me, brothers and sisters? Father God, we are so unworthy of the calling of the gospel. We have all fallen short. We have all sinned. But you sent your Son to save us. So to those gathered in person this morning, to those gathered in their living rooms or their bedrooms or wherever they are online, God, I pray that you will open up our hearts and minds to the glorious mystery of Christ. That one way through the church you have made a way for us to salvation. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you 
are unaware of the reality that you live as a believer. Many of you are unaware of the bigness of the call of God that is on your life. Now, you may be wondering, Tyler, not really. I I know Jesus. I love Jesus. But let me just keep going. I think that this is due to numerous, numerous reasons, but mainly due to the ideology that so permeates our culture of individualism. Now, don't walk out of here and say, man, that young guy called me individualistic. He's the millennial. Don't do that, all right? What, you, what I want you to understand is that the individualistic mindset of the West, particularly America, influences our theology, in a new word for you, your ecclesiology, your doctrine of the church, more than what you realize. You carry into the church this Western mindset that is very individualistic. It is very much about you. And now you don't sit there and walk in and say, well, this church is about me. No, nobody thinks that. But it influences you. In his book on church discipline, Jonathan Lehman presents these two different gospels at the beginning of the very first introduction. And I'm going to read the first version of the gospel, of the, one of the gospels to you so you can see this. Gospel 1. God is holy. We all have sin separating us from God. But God sent his son to die on the cross and rise again so that we might be forgiven. Everyone who believes in Jesus can have eternal life. We're not justified by works. We're justified by faith alone. The gospel, therefore, calls all people to just believe. An unconditionally loving God will take you as you are. Do you notice anything missing from that phrase, from that sentence? In all reality, looking at it on the surface, it sounds very biblical. But it's missing a key element of the gospel that so many, including those of us inside this room, miss. It's missing the church. It's missing the church. This is what we need to understand about the gospel, brothers and sisters. And what Paul points out here in in Ephesians chapter 3, the gospel not only reconciles you to him when you get saved, it also reconciles you to a people, to a family, to a group of people that is so large, but yet so small and local. There's the local church, and there's this cosmic universal church, though, that you have been reconciled to, and so many of you are unaware of this reality. Brothers and sisters, there is not one member of the church that is so minuscule that they do not matter. But you are a part of a cosmic plan of redemption to redeem all things through the gospel and to a people, to a family of God, to a faith family that is united in the gospel. God has made a way through Jesus for salvation, but that way runs through the church. This is the main point I want to communicate to you this morning. There is one way through the church. One way through the church. So diving into the text a little bit deeper. Ephesians 1 through 6. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Now in my translation of the scriptures, there's a long dash there. I'm in the English Standard Version of the Bible. The reason why that dash is there is because Paul is taking his train of consciousness and is shifting 
All right, he kind of has this like ADD squirrel brain moment as he's riding. If you go to Ephesians 3.14, which we'll be preaching on next week, closing out the series, he says this, for this reason. He begins it with the same way. So scholars think that Paul was actually beginning this train of thought here, but the Spirit directed him to go a different way. He went down a rabbit trail, as so many of you who have talked to me are familiar with. Just go down a Tyler rabbit trail. You're going down this way, and then you go over here, you go over here. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, I need to talk about this. I need to shift over here. Why does he do this? Why is he shifting? Because what he realized, what he realized is that there were people in this Ephesian church that he spent three years of his ministry in, you can read about it in the book of Acts, may not be aware of the glorious mystery of Christ. Brothers and sisters, there are some of you in this room that are not aware of the glorious mystery of Christ. This train of thought that Paul kind of takes this rabbit trail on is for us as well. Even going back when he says for this reason, what is this reason that he's even speaking of? He's speaking of Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. So if you paid attention the last two weeks, that's the reason. That's the reason why Paul is saying, for this reason, and he's beginning this prayer, but he says, you know what, I need to remind these people because there are people in this Ephesian church that may not be aware of the glorious mystery of Christ that is found in the gospel. They may not be aware of it. So what is this revelation that he has? It is the union of Christ and union of church, this double union. When he says this, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. His insight was brought to him on that road to Damascus where he was saved and, and regenerated in that moment when he understood the mystery. And he continues on in verse 5, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Moses didn't know about this. He had faith, but he did not know about the glorious plan that was coming. David did not know about this. All these Old Testament heroes did not know about this. But Jesus made a way and sent the Spirit, and now it has been revealed to us, the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ, brothers and sisters? Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body, body of believers, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus, salvation through the gospel. You have been saved by Christ to Christ, to Jesus, unified in Him, this union with Jesus, this marriage of salvation, but you've also been saved to a people, to a church that is local and universal, that is cosmic in scope. Now, this is not only Paul that writes about this. Listen to what John writes in his letter to the Ephesian church. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen. He's talking about the apostles when he says we. We have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our own hands. Talking about Jesus concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Now listen to what he says. So that you too may have fellowship with who? With us. 
the church. And indeed, our fellowship, the church's fellowship, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You know the beauty of this beautiful truth that Paul and the apostles are communicating to us and that he's communicating to the Ephesians? That there is no more wall of hostility, first and foremost. There's nothing dividing us in Christ. There's no more Jew or Gentile. The dividing wall of hostility, you can read in verse 14, has been broken down in Christ's flesh. Jesus has destroyed the division between us and he has united us in himself. So this is the truth that they're communicating to us. The closer the people are to Jesus, the closer they are together. The closer the people are to Jesus, the closer they are together. So as a body, the more that we pursue Jesus, the more unity there will be in our body, in our faith family. Jesus has destroyed the hostility. No matter whether they were Jew or Gentile, they are partakers of the promise, is what Paul says. That Greek word for members there, when you look at verse, in verse 6, is a word that Paul literally made up. It's found nowhere else in the Greek language. He made up a word so that we could even understand. He's like, there's no word in the known language for me to even describe what is going on here. So he made up a word. How wild is that? How wild is that? And we take church so for granted. I honestly think I will never take the church for granted after this last season that we've been in to not gather together. And I pray that none of us do. Because this is a wild, huge plan. Do you realize the magnitude of this? The magnitude that God has brought in those who were outside of Christ, outside of the commonwealth of Israel, outside of the chosen people of God, and He chose you And he chose us to be partakers of the promise and members of the same body, united of the Spirit, and make us fellow heirs of the gospel. I don't think there's any Israelites in here, so we can all say amen to that. That we were outside of the commonwealth of Israel. We were outside. We were not a people. Paul Paul literally writes this. In verse 12 of chapter 2, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ saves us and and it just welds us together. Realize this, brothers and sisters. You are closer to the Christian in Portland, Oregon, than you are the atheist that you know in town. You are closer to the brother or sister that is worshiping in Gadsden, Alabama, as we speak, of a different race than you are of the non-believer that's in the same family as you. The blood of Christ is thicker than any relationship we can even fathom. And it unites us together in this beautiful thing called the church. Can I step on y'all's toes for just a second? Is that okay? Can I do that? Okay, somebody said no. Okay, I'm seeing a few people say yes. We're going to go for it, all right? Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. 
do we realize the heartbreaking statement that we say when we say things such as that black church or that white church? Do you realize how heartbreaking that is? That even in the church of God that is united in the gospel, we say, oh, that's that black church. We make that division. That, it, it just breaks my heart to hear Lecrae, all right, who's one of my favorite rap artists. He just released a, really, a, a new song with John Legend. It's incredible, incredible. Look it up. It's called Drown. It's great. But Lecrae, a popular rap artist, says this. The most segregated time of day in America is Sunday morning worship service. Look around you, brothers and sisters. Just look around you right now. We all look very similar in this room. Very similar. This is not what heaven's going to look like. And if our churches are to reflect heaven, to be outpost of the kingdom of God, it should break our hearts that we make those divisions in the church. It should break us when we see that this, that th that this mystery of the gospel revealed that Gentiles are brought in that we don't do such a good job as bringing in people. That should break us and lead us to repentance. To say, listen, God, forgive us for putting division where there is none. We should look back 2,000 years ago at that cross in Jerusalem and say, that was where the wall of hostility was destroyed. It was obliterated. It was gone. There is no more hostility. There is no more division. And this is the truth. That that cross made a new people, a third race. No more Jew or Gentile. There is a new creation that has been formed. And the way that it was formed was that people who were far off from the gospel, people like you, were bought with a price by the blood of Jesus. And now we have been united. Now we have this new family that has deeper ties than any blood on this earth can tie us to. It has deeper roots than any family tree in Alabama can ever fathom. You are kin to a lot more people than what you realize. You are tied to a lot more people than what you realize. You are a part of a cosmic family, a universal church that spans millennia, thousands of years, that there is no division. That is how powerful the blood of Jesus is. That you who were once far off, that 2,000 years ago, a sacrifice was made on the cross of Jesus to bring you near to him and to bring you into a family, to make adoption possible. To make salvation possible. Jesus' blood is that powerful. He is the hero that has united us. So no matter what we do on this earth to try to unite people, there is nothing more uniting than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing more uniting than the sacrifice of Christ. This mystery has been revealed to us. And I pray, I pray, pray that the, re the revelation of this mystery, this morning even, 
that as the scales fall from your eyes, from your eyes, you go, how can we make this place more like more like heaven? How can we make this place not as divided? How can, we, how can we even destroy the walls of hostility that we have built that Christ has destroyed? How can we reflect the new race, the new man? The way you do this is by realizing this. There is one way through the church. There's one way through the church. So now that we see the revelation of the church, we now we move into the ministry of the church in verses 7 through 13. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, I told you to underline that, underline it, like please, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. So Paul has lifted up this very high, high view of the church. This revelation that he received of the church, and now he dives into what the ministry of the church is, specifically his ministry. The Spirit has set Paul apart as a minister of the gospel, and now he has been humbled by the magnitude of this revelation of the church. Now, this is not something that Paul is not familiar with. He always very much makes himself humble before Christ and before the church. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. He just said, I am the worst sinner in this room. I am the worst sinner of them all even. I, I make the joke often that if you were to ever somehow get a, a reel of my life and say, I'm going to show it on this screen, I'm shaving my beard and moving to Mexico and changing my name. That's how ashamed I am of my sin. But Paul goes even further and says, I'm the worst of sinners. I killed believers. But God set him apart to make him a minister of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, he's done the same thing with you. No matter what your sin is, no matter what your shortcoming is, Christ can save you. Not only that, he has set you apart. He has chosen you to be a minister of of the gospel. Now you're sitting there going, Tyler, but you're, the, you're, you're a pastor on staff here. That's what pastors do. No, that's what you do. That's what you do. The church far too long has been built upon the pastor. The pastor. The purpose of the church and the purpose of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You are ministers of the gospel, the same gospel that Paul has proclaimed, and that should humble us. I mean, for crying out loud, Paul's name literally means small. That's what his name means. It means small. So Paul is saying, I'm small in stature. I'm small as a minister of the gospel. Compared to Christ, I am little. 
When he literally, when he says this in this passage, that to the very least, he made up another word. It literally means leastest. You English grammar people in this room just like, like what? He just made up that word. He's the leastest of the saints. He's the leastest. But God's grace is that magnificent that it set him apart and put him on him, the privilege of the ministry. Don't ever get over the privilege of being a son and daughter of the king. Don't ever get over the privilege of being able to share the gospel, especially in this nation where we can do so so freely. Don't ever get over the privilege it is to share the gospel. So now Paul moves on and he gives us the point of the spear for his ministry. That edge of the spear, preach the gospel to the Gentiles to show the world the church. This, 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 this Jewish sect that started out in the book of Acts. And as we read throughout the gospels, and as we read throughout the book of Acts, and honestly, as we read throughout the scriptures, let's just be honest. God had a plan that was the church. That was the church. He gives us this spear point and he says, listen, it's going to be this uniting thing that brings in Gentiles and Jew. And Paul was primarily a Gentile missionary. When you read in the book of Acts, guess who the first convert was in Ephesus? Lydia, a Gentile. A God-fearing Gentile was the first convert in Ephesus. And so he knew that this church that he was writing to was primarily a Gentile church. And he says, listen, I don't want you to take this for granted. You've been brought into the people of God. You've been brought in so that we can show the world the church. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 1. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God made the, not made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those we believe, who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, united family of God, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the gospel. That God would take a people who were the ragtag of the bunch and say, I'm going to make them and weld them together and make the church through Jesus. Through Jesus. And this is the craziness of the gospel. This is the the, the wild factor of the gospel. That we have unsearchable riches. He says that in verse 8. Of Christ. Archant Hughes points out in his commentary. These riches are saving riches. They are sanctifying riches. They are relational riches. They are practical riches. And they are eternal riches. Notice he doesn't say a word about worldly riches. Do you realize how rich you are in Christ this morning, brothers and sisters? You are filthy rich in Christ. When John D. Rockefeller died, someone asked him, how much money did he leave behind? And one of his advisors simply said, all of it. All of it. Here's the thing. We talk about a lot when you die as a believer. You get to go to heaven and 
We get to be with Jesus and we get to see those who have passed before us. But don't miss how rich you are right now. Do not miss how eternally rich you are right now. We can gladly proclaim all I have is Christ. And guess what? He is enough. Not only is He enough, He is more than enough. He has bestowed upon us salvation so that when we cry on the name of Jesus, we are saved. And now we can go out and we can tell others, listen, you are seeking, you are looking for something to fill you. All you need is Jesus. That's the missional thrust of the gospel. That's the missional thrust of the church. That as we live out this double union of being saved by Christ to Him, to be unified in Him, and to be unified in the church, to be unified in the church, we actually live out Christ in the church. It's beautiful. As we proclaim it, we are living it. We live out the church. Church is not something that we do. It is something that we live and breathe and do together. That's the beauty of the family of God. So this should power our evangelistic efforts as we go out together to share the gospel. The problem is is that when we don't, when our evangelism is for some other reason, or we don't live out Christ, or we don't live out the church, the togetherness, this beautiful union that has been brought together. So this is what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning, brothers and sisters. The proclamation of the gospel, when you proclaim the gospel, you are showing the world the church. You are showing those who don't know Jesus the beauty, the mess, the beautiful mess that is the church. We aren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but brothers and sisters, we are tripping, we are stumbling, we're falling flat on our face sometimes, but every time we look up, we look to Jesus. And as we continue on this thing together, we have a beautiful gospel to proclaim. Paul writes the manifold wisdom of God. Right? This is what the church is revealing, the manifold wisdom of God. That Greek word there is the same word used in the Greek Old Testament to describe Joseph's coat of many colors, manifold. It literally means many-colored. Paul is saying, listen, this many-colored wisdom of God, this new race, this new creation of many colors that is united in the gospel of Jesus, this is what the church reveals. This is what the church reveals. You reveal this. So much so that the angels look at it and are in awe and wonder of it. That's why we take it so much for granted. Do we realize that the angels look at it? With awe and wonder? That's what he's talking about when he says that this was, um, that the church of the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's talking about these angelic beings that are looking at the church with awe and wonder. When's the last time that you looked at the church with awe and wonder? We take it so for granted. This is what 1 Peter uh, 1.12 says. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. They are longing to look at the church. They are looking at the church and going, this is magnificent. This, th th this is the plan of God? It leads them to worship Him. 
this beautiful creation in the church. John Stott says this, it is through the old creation, the universe, that God reveals his glory to humans. I don't know if you've been under a rock, but there's been this comet that's been coming through, and I've I've tried to find it. I cannot find it to save my life. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if it's there. But um, James Spann keeps posting pictures of it, and I trust that guy. All right, Spann's the man. But this comet is just, it's it's beautiful. Like, it's streaking through the night sky right now, and it only comes around once every 7,000 years. Like, what? Like, before the Roman Empire, before... America, I mean, America's like a speck of dust compared to that thing. God had that planned out so that we would see it. Like, how, like how crazy is that? And, I mean, it's almost kind of became a cliche now. Like, 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 I, I, I like to pick, poke at people like this. Like, you know, they post a picture of a sunset. They're like, hashtag no filter, hashtag how can you not believe there's not a God, you know, like stuff like that. Like, you know, we see that. But in all reality, it's true. The universe was created. So we can see the glory of God. But the church, all right, this is, what, this is what John Stott continues on and says, it is through the new creation, the church, that he reveals his wisdom to the angels. How beautiful is that? That The angels are just longing to look at it, to look at the church like a kid on Christmas. They're longing to look at it. They're, 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 they're looking at this and going, this is magnificent. Paul has shown us in this passage There is one way through the church. Don't take that for granted. John Stott in the same book, it's called God's New New Society. Please go grab it. Incredible work. He points out three grand facts about the church and his work. Number one, the church is central to human history. The church is central to human history. This is God's plan from the beginning that a people will be united through the blood of Christ. Please realize this, brothers and sisters. The gates of hell will prevail against anything man builds. The gates of hell will remain standing. America one day will fall. And as vines overtake the White House, and as the Abraham Lincoln Monument collapses, And as the lives that we build become nothingness on this earth, the church will still stand. That is how central to human history the church is. Jesus' words in Matthew 16 prove true. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So in the midst of political turmoil, where every time you turn on the news, you just get angry, turn off the news and look at the church, brothers and sisters. There's your hope. Because Christ Jesus has united us through his blood, and we are moving forward. We are progressing, and ain't nothing going to stop us. I promise you this, brothers and sisters. The church of God will not fail. It has survived millennia and it will continue to survive until we are called home. Please do not place your hope in things such as so as fleeting as politicians, as your own identity, in your race, in your money. Place your identity in Christ Jesus who has united us together second point he points out this grand fact is the church is central to the gospel 
This local church, 12th Street Baptist Church, is a manifestation of the gospel. Every local body is a manifestation of the gospel. And as we preach Christ and live as the church, we see that the gospel has formed a new creation. And as we proclaim that Jesus is Lord, that he was the sacrifice for sin, the one and only sacrifice for sin, we see sinners come to life through that gospel. And we see new brothers and sisters join this body. We see the gospel and through the Holy Spirit drawing sinners to see Jesus as the hero we desperately need. That is how central the church is to the gospel. And lastly, the church is central to Christian living. John Stott points this out from verse 13 when you read this. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Paul is talking about, listen, I am suffering for the gospel. I am suffering for Christian living. Don't lose heart. As this virus continues to ravage our nation and around the world, don't lose heart. As fear of what's going to happen in November consumes you, don't lose heart. The sufferings of this world are just nothing compared to the eternal glory that is coming to us in Christ Jesus. And notice I said us. There's a beautiful knit-togetherness of the gospel that as we limp forward, these sufferings lead to glorifying God as the church. God is using the coronavirus pandemic to bring glory to Him. He is bringing this current cultural moment that we are living in in America to bring glory to Him. And if we as the church live in fear, if we as the church live in anger, brothers and sisters, we're not reflecting Jesus, we're reflecting America. Let us reflect Jesus and pursue Him and move forward because the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Brothers and sisters, the church is not optional for believers. It simply is not option. Now, I grew up in a house that, unless I was like sick, I was at the church. And I am thankful for that. Some of you may not grew up like that. And that's the beauty of the church. We're from all different walks of life, and we are united together in the gospel. But the thing is, is at some point, especially in this American experiment, the church has become an option. The churches became something that we just do, that we just go to. Do we realize that like a regular attender now, according to most stats, at a church is 2.4 Sundays a month? That's a regular attender. 2.4 Sundays a month. That's, a, that, that's insane. That we've made the church an option such as that. Now, I get there are some Sundays that you don't make it. And I'm not saying that you have to make it every Sunday. Please don't hear me as that. But when you sinfully neglect the church, you are risking your relationship with Jesus. Now, am I saying that you have to go to church to be a Christian? Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. But I also don't have to go home to be married. And if I today just said, you know what? I'm going to go play disc golf for seven days the next week. 
As soon as I get off work, I'm going to go play disc golf. And then I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And then I'm, You know what? I think I'm just going to take off to Panama City and fish for a while. And two weeks from now, I roll into my house and I walk in and say, Hey, babe, how's it going? How's my son doing? And go there and try to kiss my wife. Guess what she ain't doing? My marriage would be in jeopardy, correct? My marriage would be in jeopardy. Brothers and sisters, if you don't come to church, your relationship with Christ is in jeopardy. Realize that. Realize that. There is one way through the church. That is the gospel message. So as we live out this truth, let us grow together as the church. Let us progress forward as the church in the sanctifying grace of Jesus. We are the answer for this broken world. So let us share both Christ and the church with people. Do we realize how many people are struggling with loneliness and depression in today's culture? It's rampant. It's an, it, it, it in itself is an epidemic. The church is the answer. The church is the answer. The church is not an option because it is the answer for a broken world. Our evangelism is not an option as we progress forward, as we tell people of Christ in the church. We should go out of this place today saying this. There is one way through Jesus Christ, through the church. Let us proclaim this truth for the rest of our days. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for the glorious truth that is the gospel. God, as we continue to progress forward, let us go in this truth. There is one way through the church. Father God, you have made a way. You have destroyed the dividing walls of hostility through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And as your spirit sanctifies us, let us look for those walls that we have built ourselves. Father, let us live out the ministry of the church. Let us progress forward. Father God, there's somebody today in this room that is outside of our faith family because they don't know Jesus. I pray that you will draw them near to you through your spirit, that you will move in their heart, that you will awaken them, that you will make them alive to see the glorious grace of Jesus that is so undeserving. But God, you made a way through Jesus. Father, let this church be just a fortress for the gospel. Let it be a fortress for sound doctrine. Let us proclaim Christ and Him crucified for the rest of our days here at 12th Street Baptist. Let us move in His grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet. And we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.